people are drawn to honesty. Mm -hmm. People are drawn to um, you know you actually like taking your guard down because mm -hmm. so many people have a guard up, yeah. and so your ability to kind of like put out portions of yourself and stories about yourself that other people might be too nervous to talk about or too mm -hmm. embarrassed to talk about mm -hmm. um, has worked wonders for me. Welcome to the David Paul Show, hosted by David Paul, founder of Dial Smith and Lillian Labs, and the creator of Behavioral Storytelling. If you're looking for compelling conversations with some curious characters, you've come to the right place. Hey everyone, this is David Paul, and on this episode, I'm talking with Ryan Serhant, star of the hit TV show's Million Dollar Listing New York and Sell It Like Serhant, and one of New York City's top multi-million dollar real estate agents. Ryan and I connected through the promotion of his upcoming book, also titled Sell It Like Serhant, and after some wrangling, we were able to connect at his Soho office, as you'll hear from the colorful New York City background noise and car horns. In this wide-ranging discussion, we talk about crafting messages for diverse audiences, adapting content to a changing audience landscape, the need for diversification in sales and marketing, the value of selling skills regardless of your career, and the importance of sheer persistence in the pursuit of your goals. Let's kick off the podcast with Ryan talking about the value of knowing how to sell and defining your own niche. If you can wake up positive and you know how to sell, you will be okay for the rest of your life. So tell me about that. I thought that was really interesting. So the, the I am the one who, yeah. when you're talking about that on the street, I think up in Seattle, right? Yes. So. Where does that come from for you? How long have you kind of been using that in your in your vernacular and kind of the way you position yourself? A long time. The you know, like success begets success, mm -hmm. and so that was a big thing for me when I first got into the business. Mm -hmm. And I saw that I was doing rentals when I first started mm -hmm. because anybody can do that. And so my first clients were two thousand dollar a month rental clients in Koreatown where I lived. Mm -hmm. So those my first deals. Yeah. And so I find you know three. Sarah's all from NYU mm -hmm. and have the parents guarantee their lease and would help them rent yeah. and I started to do those types of deals and it's not like those are the only types of deals I wanted to do but that's just sort of what I was doing and I realized that I was kind of the guy who was known for doing $2,000 a month rentals yeah. so I was good at it mm -hmm. and so $2,000 a month rentals got me $2,000 a month referrals $2,000 a month friends $2,000 a month parents $2,000 a month problems right and I was talking to somebody and they were like, listen, you gotta make the decision. You either wanna be a $2,000 a month broker, a million dollar broker, a $10 million broker, and you just, you have to stay on that course. Yeah. Like, get an athlete. You're gonna be a basketball player, you're gonna be a baseball player, mm -hmm. right? And the ones who have tried to do both, doesn't really work out. Yeah. So you gotta be the one who's really great at that one thing. Mm -hmm. Because people are then gonna call you for that thing because they're gonna know you for that thing because success begets success. Yeah. So I had to figure out how to get from $2,000 a month rentals to like what I do now, yeah. and I had to really, and it's it's a mixture of just saying no to certain types of business and then leveraging off of other people. So I wanted to be the one who is known for selling the most spectacular residential apartments in all of New York. Mm -hmm. Right, that was kind of the goal initially, yeah. um, and then it kind of turned into new development business because that's big business in New York, mm -hmm. and it just sort of always morphs. But by doing that, you know, you a two thousand dollar a month client has. A one friend at least that can afford twenty five hundred dollars, mm -hmm. and so I would get to that level, and then I did like a lease for twenty six hundred bucks, uh, and then I would only doing twenty six hundred dollar a month leases. That's it. Everything below, 
I got a guy named Bill, who's a brand new broker, yeah. and he had no business, and so he would get all the leads and clients that I had that were under $2,600 a month, and that was my, that was my thing. Mm -hmm. That $2,600 a month client introduced me to someone that was $3,250, right? That now, from that That's point on, floor. that was yeah. it. That is my new floor. I yeah. only do $3,250 $3, a month and above. $4,500, $5,000, $7,500, so on, so on. Yeah. Then I got a client who wanted something, wanted to sell their place at three Hanover Square in Financial District for $399,000. Got that. That moment, I only did sales. I would do rentals through my team for investor clients, but I would only do sales because I'm the one who only sells things in New York starting at $399. <laughs> and then slowly but surely, the same thing over time just gets built up and built up and built up and built up. Yeah. Because you want to be known for doing the best business that's going to make you the most money. Yeah. So, and then, you know, today, uh, the New York Times ran with a piece today, it'll go in print on Sunday, that we just listed Ferragamo's uh, estate on Park Avenue for 18. Um, and that came through something else that we sold, that came through something else that we sold, that came through something else that we sold, because I consistently scream it from everywhere mm -hmm. that I'm the one who sells X. Yeah. Um, and whether it's real estate or whether it's something else, right. Right, people get nervous that they're not diversified enough. They're like, well, but I don't, I need money or I gotta do this. And if someone's over here, I gotta take them here, this is this. Like you need to have a niche and then the niche will build a referral business around you because you'll be great at something. Yeah. Be great at something and then let that spawn out mm -hmm. versus being okay at a lot of things that in five years you'll still just be okay at. Yeah. Today then, yeah. with you know, you're, uh, you're a public figure now and clearly you've set the floor for you is a lot different than it was back then. Yes, so sir. today you are the one who what? Sells the highest residential property in uh, in the U.S. and uh, is the best new development broker in New York City for my real estate business. Yeah. Right? Um, I'm also the one who, in terms of the book and sell it like Sirhan, is the one who's the authority on all things sales. That's what yeah. I want to be known as. Yeah. That also helps me with speaking engagements and building out, you know, the sell it like Sirhan and book business, yeah. and we're doing an app and a bunch of stuff like that. And then those things together help me build something bigger that I will work on for the next five years. Yeah. Just don't yeah. know what it is yet. The TV show's fun. Thanks. Yeah, it's really fun. The new one. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, I'll sell like, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been an MDL fan for a long yeah. time, and that's coming out that's as awesome. starts, what? June 12th. Yeah. yeah the season's going to be weird. Yeah. It seems to be very, very different. Yeah, as like a, like a teaser. The, like we went six years of kind of doing the same thing. Yeah. Right, where we get a listing, we do an open house and we sell it. Or we wouldn't. Right. right. This year was very more, very more. This year was a lot more like docu, where they just kind of followed us a lot more. So this season took us nine months to make, and so it's gonna. What feel was it before? Like six. So it was a while, but this was this took forever. Yeah. Um, and so it's gonna feel much more docu series. You're gonna see a lot more loss, a lot more up and down, a lot more craziness. Yeah. A lot more. Like, I don't know, it's going to feel a lot more visceral than just like kind of packaged nice. Yeah. You think, so what, how do you think that's going to play? I think people will like it better. I think people get bored, right? I think people, like, the world has changed. When Million Dollar Listing first came out and we were filming that in 2010, people just wanted people to win. Like, right? they wanted people to win. Yeah. Like, if I lost something, it was the end of the world. Like, they wanted to see wins, big wins, big commissions. Mm -hmm. And something has changed in the world. Hmm. Like, People will change the channel when we win now. People want to see struggle. People really? want to see ups and downs. People want to see people that they can relate to. They don't want to just turn on the TV and watch rich people anymore. 
when our clients come to us, they come with a challenge, right? We, sure. need to, we need to get this piece of content, we need to win with this piece of content, or this message has to connect, or this sales presentation has to land. Um, so what we're all about is, is really engaging an audience, right? Through storytelling and through strategic messaging, and we use behavioral science and social psychology in the way that we help design these messages. So I'm curious from you, um, because you speak to all kinds of audiences. You have to engage audiences on television, now in print, um, public speaking, uh, on your vlog, which I'm also a fan of. I've watched them all. I think it's fun. Um, so what have you learned over the years through all those different methods of having to communicate with an audience and, and get people to connect with you? Kind of universal truths about engaging with people, whether it's a negotiation at a table like this, or it's a room full of people that you need to quickly win over. If people, people are drawn to honesty. Mm -hmm. People are drawn to, um, you know, you actually like taking your guard down because mm -hmm. so many people have a guard up. Yeah. And so your ability to kind of like put out portions of yourself and stories about yourself that other people might be too nervous to talk about or too mm -hmm. embarrassed to talk about mm -hmm. um, has worked wonders for me and my ability to connect with people and get them to trust me. Yeah. You know, like even this morning, like with these little kids, K through eight, like mm -hmm. they, the first thing I got up there with was like, you know, one, um, how many of you were born in a hospital? And they all raised their hand. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, I got to put my hand down because I was born on a mattress <laughs> in Texas. Also, my mom took the placenta and buried it in the backyard and grew a tree out of it. And that tree is still there and it's called the Ryan tree. Mm -hmm. Right. So that, that kind of breaks the ice totally. for a room of kids. First of all, they're like, what's a placenta? <laughs> yeah. Two, they're like, okay, this is going to be a different kind of talk. Yeah. You know? You're just running, you're just running solo. Yeah. Today, you just do your thing. Uh, today's a vlog day, so Hamway follows me around. Mm -hmm. It's Hamway over there. Yeah. Um, so we'll vlog one day a week, give or take, depending on schedule. Yeah. You know? And so I, I was actually curious about that. So you vlog, you put it out once a week. Do yeah. you shoot one day a week as well? It's not a compilation of the whole week. No, he, well, it's... Not it's up to him, right. and he likes having it be a day. Yeah. Right? He really likes having it be a day, so that every episode is like a day in the life, and then every episode is just different that way. They just sort of think like you're an actor on a yeah, like they, Most people get it. Most yeah. people understand that I'm not really do this, but some people here and there like it's hard for them to connect TV with real life, and so the vlog is that conduit in the middle. Like there's you who've seen everything, yeah. right? So, yeah. but you're a small group of people. Yeah. Most everybody else they either watch MDL. They watch stuff like Sirhant, or they watch the vlog. Like I bump into people all the time that watch the vlog who don't even know that I'm on TV. Huh. Because in part, they don't have TV. Right. A big part of the vlog, too, was that eventually we're going to be at a place where we're, I mean, cable will die. Right. Right? I mean, it's just like, it is what it is. Yeah. The record player died. Right. Like everything goes. Yeah. And that's just the way it's going to be. So I've been in sales my whole career, too. We all have kind of that one sale in our mind that really always sticks with us. More satisfying for you to close a huge deal that's a huge payday that can have a major impact on everything in your life, yeah. or that hard-fought, scrappy deal that was highly competitive, not nearly as financially lucrative, but you wanted it and you found a way to win it. What's gonna, at the end of the day, what's gonna make you jump up in the air higher? I am only as good as my 1099. I'll be brutally honest about yeah, that. Yeah. So I kind of look as fighting for the scrappy deal that doesn't make me money as an inefficient use of my time. Yeah. When I was younger, 
it was probably great because I could win that way. Yeah. But a good example of a deal that I'm incredibly proud of that is kind of a wrap up of what like my philosophy to work is, mm -hmm. is um, in March of 2012, I met a guy named Ricardo. Okay. In the book, his name is something different. Um, but I met a guy named Ricardo. And he and his wife wanted to look for apartments between one and two million dollars on the Upper East Side. They wanted in the financial district, then they wanted Tribeca, and then she wanted to look at Brooklyn, and then he got too busy with work, Whoa. and then they vanished off the face of the earth. I stopped replying to my emails, I just assumed they changed their mind, but I, if there's anything I learned from being an actor in the city for two years, it's the power of follow-up mm -hmm. and being persistent. Mm -hmm. And even when you get a no, you keep moving on. Yeah. And I never got a no for them, and I just kept following up. And I would send them an email every other week with new listings. Even if there were no new listings that worked, I'd send them an email saying, hope you're well. You know, just something. So they could consistently hear from me over and over because I didn't have a lot of money, especially then. And like my advertising, you know, I looked at email, I was like, well, email's free. Email and phone calls are free. Right. You don't have to pay for them. Yeah. So that's free advertising to somebody that at least knows that I do real estate, who knows? Fast forward to April of 2017, okay? Five years later, yeah. Ricardo responds to one of my emails and says, hey man, good to hear from you, so sorry I haven't been in touch, been a little busy. <laughs> for five years, right. okay? Right. For five years. <laughs> we talk on the phone, yeah. he says he's gotten divorced, things have changed, he's ready to buy something, he wants something in Soho, his budget's changed, it's now 15 to 20. Took him out for one day and he bought something for $16 million on West Broadway. Had I not followed up with him for five years and everyone else would have quit, I never would have done that deal. Yeah. If I only told that story starting in 2017, I got a guy who's you know, wealthy and wanted to do something awesome. But yeah. for me, that was a scrappy deal. Yeah, with a payday. With a payday. And that's a deal I'll remember for the rest of my life. Thanks so much for listening. You can find all our episodes by searching The David Paul Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Spotify. Thanks again, and we'll catch you next time.